This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Isabel Hardman. So today when Rishi Sunak faced up against Keir Starmer at Prime Minister's questions, again he had to talk about Gavin Williamson. This is what he had to say. Mr Speaker, the member for South Staffordshire told a civil servant to slit their throat. How does the Prime Minister think the victim of that bullying felt when he expressed great sadness at his resignation. Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, unequivocally the behaviour complained of was unacceptable and it is absolutely right, it is absolutely right that the right honourable gentleman has resigned. For the record, I did not know about any of the specific concerns relating to his conduct as Secretary of State or Chief Whip James, this obviously comes as Gavin Williamson has now resigned as of Tuesday night. Has this problem been as bad as it could have been for Rishi Sunak, given that Gavin Williamson has resigned, or has the damage already done? I think, as Isabel said in her her blog on PMQs, it would obviously have been worse for Rishi Sunak today if Gavin Williamson had still been in post. The fact that Gavin Williamson had resigned slightly changed the dynamic. But Keir Starmer still went to town saying that, you know, he, that Rishi Sunak had been weak in appointing him, that, that showed that he couldn't stand up to bullies. And then, I think, in a slightly more kind of stretch argument, he basically then tried to argue that the reason that the, 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 the windfall tax was structured the way that it is, is is because of this. All PMQs after a cabinet minister has resigned turn into ones that, that, that prime ministers have to kind of get through and endure. And this was definitely one of those. I, I think the question is, does his Gavin Williamson's resignation mean that this is the last PMQs dominated by this question? I think the Tories will be hoping it is. I suspect that Labour will be thinking, right, where do we what go else? to next okay, in yeah. trying to kind of push this narrative? There's this absolutely remarkable statistic that, that Jane Merrick came up with, that if you average it out over the air, on average, a minister has resigned every four days this year. <laughs> and I think that, you know, but I think that, you know, one of the things that the, that the Tories need to do is to show a period of calm, to show that things, that politics are is returning to normal. Obviously, if you end up with more of these feeding frenzies, that's harder to do. Well, it's not just Labour, is it, James? Because I feel like, Throughout the last few weeks, it's Jake Berry and other people oh. on Boris Johnson and Liz Truss's side who have kind of made things worse. Yes, yeah, I think this is the question, which is, is this sui generis because of because Gavin Williamson and the fact that you know, he has been a player in Tory politics since he was David Cameron's PPS and he has obviously, as the last few days shows, accumulated a fair few enemies along the way? Or is this a sign of the, the kind of psychodrama that has consumed the Tory party in recent years it isn't coming to an end anytime soon? Isabel, can we just go back to what happened on Tuesday night, which is just the events leading up to and surrounding Gavin Williamson's resignation? Because there were quite a few explosive things that were said and precipitated that. So, so just take us back to what happened to make Gavin Williamson think, my position is not tenable anymore. Yeah, so by the afternoon, we had the Wendy Morton allegations that he had bullied her and uh, she obviously 
had messages, expletive laden messages, uh, where he was objecting to not being invited to the Queen's funeral, telling her she wasn't doing her job and so on and so forth. Um, she'd complained to the party, but then yesterday she also referred her complaint of bullying to Parliament's independent process. And then a second allegation which had surfaced uh, in The Guardian earlier that Gavin Williamson had told an official at the MOD to slit your throat and jump out of a window. That then became a formal complaint as well. And up to that point, Williamson had said, you know, that there hadn't been any formal complaints that were made. And that was his sort of way of of deflecting on, on that particular question. Then... At roughly the same time, Anne Milton, former Deputy Chief Whip, very different style, I think it's fair to say, to Gavin Williamson when she was in the Whip's office, went on Channel 4 News. And she alleged that he had made an inappropriate threat concerning an MP, a Conservative MP who was in financial difficulty and some financial support had been provided and that he had said when the cheque was produced, make sure they know I own them. And she said that she just did not think that he was joking because of the the manner in which he said it. Now, out of all of those developments, the formal complaint from the official was probably the most problematic for Williamson, not just because it shattered his holding line, but also there is a difference, I think, between politicians who... And you can have a debate about, you know, no one opts into bullying. And that's certainly the case. And I I don't think we should say you've opted into a toxic culture, therefore you should deal with it. But they have opted into a certain amount of hurly-burly. And I think there's always going to be factional warfare within politics. Uh, there certainly shouldn't be bullying, but I think there there always will be factional warfare. And officials who have not opted into that, who work for department, who are trying their best most of the time to deliver policies and who... I think, expect a more professional working environment. And to compound this, Gavin Williamson in the Cabinet Office, obviously responsible for large numbers of civil servants and government communications. So it's not as though he was sort of a DEFRA minister only responsible for cows or something like that. His behaviour towards civil servants was quite relevant Mm. to the appointment that Rishi Sunak had made. Things then went very quiet from the Gavin Williamson camp, which is always a sign that a resignation might be on the way and lo I think it was around 8 30 Gavin Williamson resigned uh, saying that uh, he felt things were becoming a distraction from the good work that the party was doing and he wanted to focus on clearing his name from all these allegations uh, which we should say and which he says in the letter he strongly denies so that was the chain of events. And I think I agree with everything James said about PMQs. You know, it shows that just because you resign, you're, you, you are still capable of being a distraction. I suspect that there may be some people who are still quite keen to um, air their Gavin Williamson stories. And that may prolong it for a few more days. But what I found really striking about Prime Minister's questions today, firstly, I think Keir Starmer did have some, you know, some very good lines describing Gavin Williamson as being a cartoon bully with a pet spider. More balanced or recent listeners to Coffee House Shots may have forgotten that um, when he was chief whip, Gavin Williamson kept a tarantula called Cronus on his desk and made sure that all journalists knew about this, just as context for the pet spider reference. And um, he also later in the session, when Sunak accused him of 
being on the side of the trade unions who are causing disruption through strikes, saying that he was against any disruption, whether it was being caused by protesters gluing themselves to the road or people sitting on the government front benches, which I thought was quite quite a smart line. But what I thought was striking about that was that these are the sort of questions, the sort of problems that a prime minister in their mid-term would be having to face. This is actually Rishi Sunak's, you know, he's only been in the job for a matter of days, really, still. And he's having to answer these questions about the sort of behaviour of people he appointed. And that one minister every four days, I mean, it's like a more gruesome political equivalent of that programme, one born every minute, isn't it? And it just shows why Labour is so keen to keep prosecuting this narrative of a chaotic party that has run out of energy to be in government. But I think there is a risk, and this is something I write about in the magazine, Out Tomorrow, that Starmer gets so embedded in what personally offends him about the disorganisation of the Conservatives that he doesn't work on his own vision and allows others in his party to develop a Labour vision that is not necessarily as palatable as the opinion polls might currently suggest, which are largely voters rejecting the Tories rather than thinking, yay, Labour. Mm. And James, over in Northern Ireland, today has been quite a big day, um, and not for good reasons, because power sharing couldn't be set up. But you can you tell us about what's going on? So the government are, are cutting the pay of members of the Northern Ireland Assembly, MLA's pay, and then pushing back the time of their election. And I think one of the reasons they want to do this is to, is to give more time for negotiations over the protocol, because it is the protocol is one of the main sticking points as to why power sharing can't be got up and running. So I think the question then becomes, how quickly can you make progress on the protocol? And what is the way to achieve that progress? And look, the protocol has, has been a very thorny issue. I think there are some more positive bits of mood music around the place. But we know on this, one of the things that frequently happens is that there's positive mood music and then the two sides sit down to negotiate and they Mm. actually remain very far apart. So, I mean, the question is whether that mood music translates into into actually more positive outcomes or not. And I I think one of the other things, which I think is also true, if you had an election in Northern Ireland today, I think that would only serve to entrench the, the the divisions and tensions that there are now because I mean the, the 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 two sides would campaign on very very similar platforms than they campaigned on last time I think fundamentally those people who say that an election wouldn't actually solve any of the problems are actually are, 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 are sadly right James and Isabel thanks very much and thank you very much for listening